This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks. So, we did that interview yesterday, episode 55 with Magdalene Rose. If you haven't listened to it, check it out, folks. But right now, a lot of people are listening. I think it was a great interview. Uh, I got a little outside my comfort zone. Uh, I haven't talked uh, politics, haven't talked the old political shop in quite a while. So, uh, that was quite interesting. But a lot of great nuggets there. Uh, We've got our work cut out for us if we want to start trying to wake up the youth folks, our kids and grandkids, because she has her ear to the ground. Her specialty is not technocratic transhumanism, but she knows what's important to the young folks out there, especially young conservatives, and this stuff isn't even on their radar. But we know that they are concerned about what their jobs are going to be, if they're going to be able to afford to buy a home and property, or they're going to be able to afford to pay rent, uh, student debt, all of this stuff is an issue. So for me, if we were talking about artificial intelligence and robots coming to replace humanity in the workforce, um, not necessarily even getting into the transhumanist side of things, the merger of man and machine, that may get their attention. Now, the transhumanist agenda, I think, would wake up the pro-lifers. Uh, if you want to talk about anti-life, anti-humanity, you have to talk about transhumanism, which is the engineering of humanity out of existence. So uh, I recommend sharing that podcast with younger friends of yours, younger family members, all right, because you can tell them they are listening to a 22-year-old who is very well-spoken, very well-rounded, has knowledge of a lot of subjects, a lot of things that are going on today, both in the political and pop culture circles, of which, at 41, I felt old. I wasn't aware of a lot of that stuff. So uh, check that out. Thank you again to everyone who's left a five-star review and comment over at Apple Podcasts. That's really helping us. If you haven't done that, please do so. It'll just take you a couple of minutes, and it does help us in the rankings over there and to everyone who's joined pain.tv slash gold to get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast and the thomas Payne podcast and access to the facebook like app 
that uh, is a community of like-minded folks who you can share intelligence with and go and speak to when you're feeling like you are an outsider in the real world while everyone else around you is locked into the uh, matrix prison planet surrounding us. So definitely check that out. All right, folks, we're going to do uh, several things tonight. We're getting back into MK Ultra and MK Ultra's ties into the uh, modern programs that are going on today, the DARPA Brain Initiative, the Military Cyborg Soldier 2050, and uh, some of the psychedelic programs that are being worked on right now. So we're going to work our way back over that, uh, over to that. But first, I want to just play a uh, short two-minute clip for you, something I pulled up from the old archives. I think this came from Dinesh D'Souza's uh, site to give him credit uh, for putting the uh, transcription on the screen along with this video but the other day i had mentioned to you uh that sydney gottlieb who we found out uh was in fact jewish and whose family could have been um forced into ghettos in nazi germany eventually into concentration camps and into experiments uh, much like that that Sidney Gottlieb ended up running on behalf of the state, on behalf of the CIA. And so I had mentioned George Soros and a clip of him from 60 Minutes with Steve Croft from many years ago talking about how he had no remorse for what he did as a Jew uh, during the war and so i want to play that for you i'm sure many of you have heard it but sometimes it's always good to get a refresher on these things put things into context remember all of the stuff that has been unveiled and uh, george soros was a big 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 player in politics over the last 20 years in this country and so i don't really know if he's being talked about now i don't know if people even discuss politics in the way they used to but let me show you the type of person that george soros is and this is the thing that i talk about where i just don't understand how yuval noah harari george soros henry kissinger Sidney gottlieb uh, a lot of the doctors and scientists we see working on technocracy and transhumanism uh, that come from a Jewish background could be involved with the same Frankenstein technology, the same tyranny, the same engineering of humans out of existence that the Nazis were involved with. It, it just baffles my mind, folks. So let me play this clip for you. You're a Hungarian Jew mm -hmm. who escaped the Holocaust mm -hmm. by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's Okay, so just pay careful attention to this, folks. 
careful attention because it's just uh frankly frankly hard to believe but you have to try to put yourself into the shoes of a 14 year old boy whose father set him up with a protector and he posed as a christian and so his job was to go around and point out other jews to help the nazis confiscate their property and send them off to camps uh, but it, it's not about what he experienced when he was 14. It's about the fact that in this interview, he's in his 60s. He's a multi-billionaire. At this time, he was known to help crash certain economies around the world and basically go in and steal money. And at this time, he's involved with very leftist um, policies. He sets up an organization called Open Societies. And he's meddling in politics, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And so you would imagine it at this age, he would change his story. And he would say, oh, yes, I felt remorse. It was horrible. It was the worst time of my life. But he actually says this is what helped him build character. Now, you're going to see, I mean, just in my opinion, you're listening to a psychopath. All right, let's continue here. Out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child, you don't you don't see the connection, uh, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all. No feeling of guilt. No. For no feeling of guilt. No. And, and like I said, it, it's not necessarily. I mean, there's things that happen to you in your childhood, and when people ask you, as an adult, you may say well it's kind of i didn't realize what i was doing as a kid but now oh my god i was a horrible terrible person i can't believe i did that or you might be so ashamed of something you did that you're not going to tell the truth but yet let's pretend he's telling the truth let's take him at his word he is saying that he had no remorse uh for being involved with that let's continue uh, uh but it was it created no no problem at all no feeling of guilt no. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, uh, of course, I, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there because. Uh, that was, uh, uh, well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. In other words, the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator, the property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Okay. So what he's saying is, if I wasn't there um, 
pointing out these people to have their property taken from them and for them to be forced into camps or into ghettos, someone else would have been there doing it. It would have been done anyway. So therefore, I don't have any remorse, right? He said, I could be on the other side. I could be the one having the property taken from me uh, by someone else who would be in my shoes pointing out me uh, you know, to the Nazis. And so if it was going to happen anyway, I don't feel bad about it. And then he compares it to markets, which is the business he's in and so he justifies collapsing nations stealing money stealing wealth because if he's not doing it someone else is going to do it right so that's like jeffrey dahmer sitting there talking to the police and they say do you feel any remorse for luring that young filipino boy to your house drugging him smashing him over the head with a hammer um then tying him up doing whatever it is you're going to do to him and then killing him and then eventually chopping up his body refrigerating parts of his dismembered body and then eventually cooking those parts and eating them do you feel any remorse for that and jeffrey dahmer says well i mean if i didn't chop him up and eat it someone else was gonna do it so no i don't feel any remorse i mean this kind of stuff is crazy but i bring this up because when we look at the people like dr Sidney gottlieb right when we try to put ourselves into their mindset to try to understand how someone employed by the cia talking to the highest levels of the cia authorized at the highest levels of the cia right which which answers directly to the executive branch so you have alan dulles at the time director of the cia who gottlieb um, was answering to as well as richard helms who later became the cia director You'd say to yourself, how does someone spread around psychedelics with the purpose, with the purpose of testing their ability to blow out people's minds, uh, to blast their mind away, as it was said, and then replace that mind with a new mind? How do you do that? How do you set up bogus foundations and spread this? psychedelic around through universities uh prisons uh institutions and such and do this to people who are unwitting in your experiments how do you set up secret torture camps in europe and east asia under the guidance of the cia and torture people to death utilizing lsd other drugs torture techniques and and try to mind control people i mean is your mentality that if i don't do it someone else will if i'm not doing it the nazis will. well we already defeated the nazis supposedly then we hired them and the japanese torturers to come back to the united states to train Sidney gottlieb and his cohorts so how does someone get into that mindset that what they're doing is okay and how do they end up at these highest levels of government folks and how do these people uh, who have jewish ancestry uh, end up in a position doing exactly what their captors 
the Nazis were accused of doing. Yet then they have the Nazis train them and utilize these same techniques. And so Soros, uh, not like Gottlieb, not running MK Ultra, but Soros right there says that watching these Nazis take away and confiscate the property of the Jews and send them off to camps helped build his character. And then later says it's just like the markets, meaning he learned from them. So he adopted the techniques of his captors and then deployed them into the world to go steal wealth, to steal people's property, to confiscate their belongings through markets. Uh, but he just sees it as, well, if I don't do it, someone else will. And I wonder if Sidney Gottlieb feels the same way or felt the same way. If I don't do it, someone else will. When we get back, another quick story on another psychopath that I know you know a lot about, but I have to highlight before we move back to MK Ultra, Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Folks, this is the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I've got to get into a quick little story for you. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> okay, so I don't, I'm not going to give you all of the details because it's a... Uh, a personal story, but my ear is always to the ground. And so we have a friend of ours who has uh, two children, 13 and 10. And so this person, uh, this woman had her children vaccinated. And um, I didn't really know her at the time, or I would have tried to talk her out of it, but she did this. She's not a vicious person or a horrible person. She's actually a very nice person. And so uh, her older daughter, who is 13, has uh, asthma. And so the doctor really pressured, really pressured her to get her vaccinated and said it was going to help her, you know, be able to avoid COVID and COVID could kill her because of the asthma. And so uh, dad isn't really around. So anyway, she gets vaccinated. Well, we find out the other day that two weeks later, this girl was diagnosed with um, a rare heart disease that actually could lead to myocarditis. And I'm not going to mention the details here because it's kind of personal. But um, yeah, she ends up with this heart condition now for the rest of her life. It's not something that can be treated and it can lead to myocarditis. 
And so um, this is very sad. Anyway, this woman completely regrets this. She can't believe it happened. She confided in us because she knows that we are not uh, vaccinated and kind of was looking for some hope. But I don't know what hope you can give people when this stuff happens. Anyway, it, it just brought up, because th- this is not the first person in our personal life that I've seen this happen to. I have several uh, older friends of mine who got vaccinated and then within a matter of a month or two ended up with cancer. Um, or they had cancer that had gone into remission years earlier and the cancer came back. And so who knows, folks? I mean, we're, we're paying attention. We're all on hyper alert here. Uh, at the same time, I believe Maria Albanese has shared her story publicly on the Thomas Paine podcast. Her father got vaccinated. A week later, ends up with rashes all over his body. A few months later, ends up having a stroke. They're still working through that, trying to figure out the problem. You know, no one in her family did it that listened, that listened to Maria. Her father is this stubborn, uh, you know, Philly Italian, and he just went and did it. Now, he didn't get a second one, but anyway, he's got problems. And so many of you have written me about people you know that have problems since they've gotten jabbed. We see stories all over the place. But when it's in your personal life, then you know that it's true. It's not just some propaganda being spread around on social media. Uh, My father lives in a 55 and over retirement community. Many of the people around him uh, that got vaccinated started dropping dead uh, pretty much one after the other. So we're hearing these stories uh, in our personal lives. And I just want to show something. I'm sure many of you have heard this, have seen this before. But I think right now, because I don't spend a lot of time on COVID Land, the high school theater production, other than connecting it to the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And eventually I will get into uh, connecting it into nanoparticles and nanobots and what I think, uh, just my opinion, what could have been in the jabs. And remember, I've said on this show, there were nine different variations, nine different uh, companies that had created jabs. But we don't really know what's in those vials. I, I mean, you can read the ingredients on the vial, but at the end of the day, you can have something called the Moderna mRNA vaccine and have 10 vials and one could be rat poison one could be saline solution one could be nanobots one could be a stem cell that Dr. Charles Morgan III developed that's designed to give you cancer you know one could be LSD I mean who who really knows what's in them do you trust this stuff when you buy stuff at the grocery store and you look at the ingredients do you truly trust that those ingredients are accurate what because the government creates a law through the fda that says you have to put a label on the side of the box with the ingredients in it you do understand that we could make tomato sauce right now and sell it at a farm stand and i could put two cups of sugar in every jar of tomato sauce but on the side i could just say i put a spoonful of sugar i mean no one really knows we're not testing everything individually but i think it's important because The more that I'm hearing these stories in my personal life, the more friends 
uh, of ours that got vaccinated that have gotten really sick with supposedly COVID, right, since they were jabbed, since they were boosted, the more this stuff becomes relevant. And so I want to play a clip um, of Bill Gates from 2010 from TED Talks. And just hang with me, even if you've heard it before, because it never hurts to look at things through a new lens. We have a lot more information now. So a lot of this stuff can be better understood because we can put it into context with all of the new intelligence we have. And so I'm going to start the clip at the beginning of his TED Talks lecture. And I'm going to play it through five minutes. I'm not going to uh, uh, analyze the entire thing, but I do have to stop like every 30 seconds uh, just so we don't get a copyright strike on this. But I've got to play this, and I want to show it in context because you need to understand exactly what bill gates said and then i'm going to show you a fact checker like politifact and how they run cover for bill gates and this this thing has been out there really since the beginning of covid land and the vaccine a lot of people use this because bill gates was obviously instrumental in pushing forward the mrna vaccines but let's play this and then listen to his words and figure out if maybe uh, what he was talking about in 2010 is what we are seeing happen today with athletes dropping dead with all of these personal anecdotal stories that we have of people in our personal lives that are getting sick or are dying shortly after getting the vaccine. And remember, they could uh, have something in the vaccine that's designed to you know, kill people over one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. And look, these guys talk openly about depopulation. So it's not like we're conspiracy theorists when we are just trying to understand what they're doing. It's like when they go out there and say they're going to replace us with artificial intelligence and robots. And then if you talk about their plan to replace us with artificial intelligence and robots, you get called a conspiracy theorist. How am I a conspiracy theorist? I'm just analyzing their own words. So you will see shortly how the fact checkers try to run cover for Bill Gates. And this ties into... Uh, MK Ultra and journalist Stephen Kinzer and how I said that he's running cover uh, for the government as well. I spent a whole episode breaking down that podcast, which we're going to get back to and finish that up shortly. But let's play this Bill Gates clip uh, as we think about all of the people we know now that are getting sick from supposedly COVID, people that are getting cancer, heart issues, and everything else, folks. And I will just throw this out there, too. This is another personal story, but a relative of mine, sweet girl, gets talked into getting the vaccine while she's pregnant. Her baby is born with a rare disease that only like one in a hundred thousand kids had prior to this vaccine occurring. So, again, these are anecdotal stories, they're real. We will never have the actual research <laughs> that ties all this in. It's not like the government is necessarily going to come out and admit this. Uh, and you can't sue these guys. I mean, people should have did their research before all this occurred. All right, let's play this clip of Bill Gates before uh, I start crying over here like Glenn Beck. All right, here we go, folks. Today about energy and climate. And that might seem a bit surprising because my full-time work at the foundation 
is mostly about vaccines and seeds, about the things that we need to invent and deliver to help the poorest two billion live better lives. Yeah, vaccines and seeds. The two things they need to help the poorest two billion live better lives. Or the seeds that you take away so that we can't grow our own food and that you control the food supply and the vaccines that you're going to use to make people sick and kill them. I don't know. That's just my opinion, folks. Let's continue. But energy and climate are extremely important to these people. In fact, more important than to anyone else on the planet. The climate getting worse means that many years their crops won't grow. There'll be too much rain, not enough rain. Uh, things will change in ways that their fragile environment simply can't support. And that leads to starvation, it leads to uncertainty, it leads to unrest. Uh, so the, the climate changes will be terrible for them. Also, the price of energy is very important to them. In fact, if you could pick just one thing to lower the price of to reduce poverty, by far you would pick energy. Now, the price of energy has come down over time. Uh, really, uh, advanced civilization uh, is based on advances in, in energy. The coal revolution fueled the industrial revolution. And even in the 1900s, we've seen a very rapid decline in the price of electricity. And that's why we have refrigerators, air conditioning. We can make uh, modern materials and do so many things. Okay, and now uh, this is important, and, and there's a reason why I'm playing this. We're not doing a show on climate change right now. But I'm playing the first couple minutes before it gets to the part that I want you to hear. Because what happens is the fact checkers will come out and say that this clip was played out of context. And the clip has never been played out of context. They didn't show what happened before and after the clip. So I'm going to show you that and then show you that the clip that we want to reference is a standalone. So if you cut it and you play it for people, it is in context. There is nothing that changes the meaning of this quote that happened before or after the quote took place. So I have to play this so that from now on, when you reference this quote to people, and they say that's taken out of context. The facts check checker said that's not true. No, it is true because the Dustin Gold Standard played the couple minutes before and the couple minutes after, and there is nothing that occurred before or after that changed the meaning of what this psychopath Kermit the Frog puppet Bill Gates said. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to uh, run a short commercial break here. I'm Bill Gates with the Dusting Gold Standard, and you're listening to Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. 